Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, a daily pod on the Charlotte Hornets. If you want a draft talk centered around the Charlotte Hornets, we're going to take you all the way to June 22nd. So hop on our magic carpet ride. I'm Doug Branson, joined by, I got a crew here, a squad. We have from atthehive.com, SBF, SBF50, Steve Bob Forrest. Steve Bob, what's going on, my hey. man? Hey, hey, not much. Ready to talk some uh, Hornets. Some hoops and stuff. All right, you know her on Twitter as Calamity James. Claire's on the line. Claire, we got you till what eight thirty? You got it. All right, and of co- reality calls. <laughs> and of course, man, myth, legend, David Walker. David, it's crowded in here. That feels good, though, Doug. I know we need we need more opinions, more guests. Uh, we need just more people to tell us uh, that we're wrong because uh, I think David, you and I agree too much. <laughs> happens we share a brain though so that's that's how you get it we have so much in this show <laughs> no time to talk about pita bread uh today we've got although i do want to say one more thing on pita bread uh number one that was <laughs> oh, that, that was an absolutely true story and number two this is something i failed to mention i would hope that was true number two this is something i failed to mention it was it's the best pita bread in charlotte it wasn't just any pita bread like i really wanted it and i think that's key to understanding the story um, all right, we've got uh, a Harry Giles prospect preview coming up. We have uh, Bobcats throwback stack Jack. We got uh, some LeVar ball talk. I know we shut down Fun Friday for a bit, but I think, guys, this is pretty damn close. Hashtag Fun Thursday. There you go. All right, let's start with something that's not too fun. Let's get it out of the way early. More off-season injury news for the Charlotte Hornets. The team announced yesterday that Kimball Walker underwent a successful minor knee procedure and will be out of action for six weeks. David, should fans be worried about this? No, I'm going to choose not to be worried about this one. One, it was successful. Two, it was minor. Three, Hasn't he had procedures like before the last two seasons, and he's gotten better? So I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to go that route. He should be back by July, and uh, I'm just not going to. I'm not going to go down that road with with Kimball on this one, Doug. We we don't need that type of energy. So I'm going to say it's going to be all good. Staying positive. Uh, yeah, Kimball Walker had knee surgery in January of 2015 to repair his meniscus, and then again last May to repair it, and he was out until July uh, last summer as well. So. Uh, Claire, Steve, uh, what do you guys think about this? Honestly, it sounds like this procedure is mostly, um, uh, I don't know, just clean up or trying to take Minor, care of yeah. Some, some yeah, stuff that had already, you know, kind of been there. Um, at the same time, you know, I, I agree with David that, you know, 
it's it's not overly concerning, but at the same time, if, if he's going to need, you know, knee surgeries after every single offseason, I understand he's getting better, but he's not getting better because of knee surgeries. I think he's getting better because he's working on his game and what have you. And at this point, if you're, you're going to continue to need <laughs> – yeah, right. <laughs> Fake news. Um, yeah, if you're going to continue to need these off-season knee surgeries, and then at this point, I'm just kind of wondering about the length of his career. Um, so I, I don't think that there's, you know, too much for concern. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm one who doesn't really take, you know, surgeries in any kind lightly, to be honest. Yeah, and the the thing, so much of his game is is that cutting and uh, is his. His mm-hmm. movements and stuff, uh, like how how much uh, uh, he relies on, especially this past year, he he seemed to turn it up a lot on the uh, change of pace stuff, and you know his crossovers, his step backs. I mean that step back on a on a three time uh, repaired knee is like, yeah, you you wonder if you're getting at some point you're going to get diminishing returns on that. I mean, I played basketball yesterday. I'm in my 30s now, and uh, and I and I am not a professional athlete, but just natural wear and tear is like at a certain point you, you just can't make those cuts anymore. So, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned on that. It's, uh, it's kind of surprising that, you know, there wasn't really any talk of that prior to that, you know, at least the, the Plumlee surgery we knew was, was kind of a thing coming down the pipe, but I, I hadn't heard anything really about that. So I guess that would be the silver lining that the yeah. team itself well, also- wasn't that concerned. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like, well, I mean, the Hornets have reason to not, you know, say, hey, we're panicking about this. But at the same time, isn't right. this his second knee surgery um, this offseason? No. No? All right, never mind. This oh, is right. number one. This is number, So he, he had a surgery, he had a procedure uh, last May, uh, and then Plumlee had a procedure uh, earlier this month That's as right. well. Yeah, so this is the second Sorry. total knee procedure for the Charlotte Hornets, but only one for Kemba Walker, who did injure this knee and miss the last two games of this season um, after he tweaked that knee. I think this would give the franchise a little leeway if they decided to move up to get one of these juicy point guard prospects. It's something we kind of mentioned in the last show. Or if one of those prospects falls to them, I think you do take out a little insurance after three uh, knee procedures. Uh, But, you know, Steve Clifford was quick to point out uh, that Kemba Walker... Uh, did move around a lot better after that knee procedure. So maybe, you know, maybe he's like Thomas Davis of the Carolina Panthers. Maybe he just, you know, just improves with every, yeah, just improves with every uh, knee procedure. Uh, So we'll see uh, how that affects him uh, this offseason. Again, his prognosis out six weeks. Now let's move. I'm still drinking my coffee, but you know what? I really hope that's true. But I mean, (laughs) like I said, any, any surgery can be cause for concern. Well, Steve, uh, you know, uh, she just said you don't take any knee surgery uh, lightly. Do you take any surgery lightly? Is there any surgery that you laugh at? Yeah, uh, I I was just trying to think of that. I haven't had any surgeries uh, really since I was like eight years old, uh, minor. So I, it's it's crazy to me that these guys just treat it like that, and they're in and out and back on the court so fast that. Uh, that, that's that's the other thing is that you're talking about maybe even getting better. It's like at some point in the last like ten years, I don't know. There's there's some weird shift in it where it seems like these guys are coming back almost better now. I don't know if they're putting like bionic uh, elements into their body or something, but robots. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. What yeah. was the thing? Paul was George like two years back, somebody was like Ron Artest. 
<laughs> he broke his damn leg off. Right. <laughs> Who was that? Paul George. Paul George. Paul George. Right, correct. It ripped, it yeah. ripped clean and off. He, and they had to pick it up off shoes. the floor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was Oh, no, no, I'm picturing um, it. Now I'm awake. All right, well, let's move on to let's move on to Stephen Jackson, shall we? This is always a fun topic. <laughs> always. Charlotte Bobcats legend Stephen Jackson, known to his beloved fans as Stack Jack or Captain Jack, gave an interview to Micah Peters over at the Ringer. Micah did the world a service and asked him to reveal the thinking behind one of his more famous quotables, quote, I make love to pressure, said while he was in Our Fair City as a member of the Charlotte Bobcats. The following is my dramatic reading of his explanation. When I say I make love to pressure, I mean I'm confident in the face of anything. Anytime my back's against the wall or the bright lights are on, or I'm at the free throw line, or you give me the ball, I make love to it the same way I do women. And I know I'm great at that. When that, when it's that time, I'm showing up. And I'm going to perform. So I'm the same way when I play basketball. I make love to pressure. What do you think of that? All right. I don't like that. A lot of information. Oh, Steven. <laughs> yeah. I think the weirdest thing about that. Uh, the weirdest thing to me about this whole thing is is Steven Jackson using the term make love instead of what we all can assume he he really means there and would like to say. <laughs> I think that's a way better quote, by the way. He is uh use the alternative phrase there for making love. Um as opposed to as opposed to like, I dry hump pressure. Sure, yeah. yeah. Or, or just sure, a, or, or more succinct version. Sure. What were you thinking? Good little giggle. <laughs> I just love that we yeah. all knew what this meant and we all knew what he was insinuating, but that, that's what I was going to say. Did we need a, a <laughs> did we explanation of the meaning behind this quote? I, I mean, I'm glad we have it. Honestly. Okay. So if you haven't had a chance to read the entire interview, the entire interview is absolutely fantastic because it has this great Tennessee story. Um, he talks about wanting to punch fans sometimes and, at Gemma and doing it. So, yeah, right, exactly. So, I mean, honestly, if you haven't it's had It's good. He followed through on his dreams. Thing, you should absolutely do it. I'm sorry? I said he followed through on his dreams. He wanted to punch fans, and he did it. <laughs> yes, he did. He took that did. off okay. his yeah, career. Exactly. It's not making... It's not punching fans, either. It's making love to their face with his fist. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's dry-humping them with his fist. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, literally, the interview goes from malice at the palace to uh, something about nets, and then you know, talking about making love to pressure. It's great. Also, that uh, his explanation is like something somebody who's definitely never had sex would give. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I make love like I do to women all of the time. I do it all me. of the time. Yeah, <laughs> and you know I show up well then. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> just oh, wonderful. I think this we, this is just clear. We just need more Stephen Jackson. I think he's uh, his second career on TV or wherever in print. Actually, in print it might be better. Um, but I think he's going to be a superstar when it comes to providing ultra graphic quotes, in the very least. Steve, you've got an article coming out. I do. Yeah, at thehive dot uh, com. At thehive dot com, and uh, we're going to. We're going to be getting into just uh, where we're at right now, really, with this 11th pick. Uh, I, I look at it as kind of a, a 
a larger theme to where the team is right now, which is essentially, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if we're, this is a simulation anymore. I, I don't know if we're an actual team or that that's the worst place you can possibly be. And it's, and, and we're a team that really needs some, some good news, some excitement. I mean, I, we all love Kemba. Uh, he's just, he's not the most charismatic guy. His plays is, can be flashy and fun, but like, we, we really don't have any, any, buzz ironically and uh we we could yeah you like that i did (laughs) we we just we could desperately use uh you know a a star (laughs) personality or or just some some good news and with this 11th pick uh you know i've I've read every possible mock draft and uh everybody needs to get prepared for zach collins this this is gonna happen uh you know i knew when i was as soon as i saw a picture of him i knew in my heart I thought was the guy that we were going to draft all along. If if I asked you to create a guy in a lab for the Hornets to draft at eleventh, you'd be like, I don't know, seven foot white guy who's fourteen, and uh, and that's what we got here. Um, he's uh, he's a backup center from Gonzaga, the university that manufactures white backup centers. So you know he's going to be quality at that. Uh, I, I talked myself into him, though, already. That's what you got to do. Uh, That's a perception, David. Things. David, you're working on something right now about the perceptions around the Hornets draft. Well, yeah, I mean, and there's reason for that, right? Like, you have uh, you have Frank and you have Cody, and not to mention all of the other big white guys they had on the roster last season with Mike Toby, Miles Plumley. Uh, I'm missing one in there. Oh, our, our boy Spencer Hawes. So, yeah, the I mean, bun. you really got it from that angle. Yeah. They don't, you know, they're, I, I, this, I'm not breaking any news here, guys. But there aren't many of these drafts. Like, we only do this once a year. So these perceptions mm-hmm. are based on one or two selections. Yeah. You know, exactly. and th- th- that's why every well, pick is so monumental because it's going to make such an indelible impression upon a fan's mind about what the priorities of that team are. And it, it, it can last even through uh, management. Uh, changes just like the whole Carolina misperception has lasted through uh, into the Jordan era, even though he's and never selected well, it, someone from Carolina. Right, right, and but and that's a good point. Like the the once a year thing is is obviously huge. I mean that that Adam Morrison plays into this. You know what I mean? It's just it's not fair, but that's going to play into it. They're going to be like, there's another you know goofy white guy who couldn't run, and that was so many years ago, but. That guy was a bust, you know. He didn't he didn't pan out, and that's just how you know fans are gonna read it. Uh, it's unfair to the to the players because this guy actually does look to be, you know, by all accounts, like that. That's the pick you make there. Any the any best, team at right. That's, probably, that's right. That's the ironic part, right? Well, like, it's the same with Lowry. Same with guys. marketing. It's like that's he's the best shooter. But the only problem is the last time they selected someone that was supposed to be the the best big right. shooter in that draft. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's just a yeah. tough situation they're going to find themselves in. And that's like, that's the tough thing about this one is like, they've already gone down that route, route right? Like this feels <clears> like we got, we've stocked the roster with that type of player. So, but I think that maybe it's not necessarily fit, but he does provide, you know, shot blocking and rebounding, I guess, which they, you know, they do need, but I, I think they need more athleticism and some, some other guys that can, can do a few other things. So I will say that though, you know, we always see these mock drafts before, uh, you know, before the draft comes, and I don't remember them ever hitting the Hornets selection on the nose. Like it's something weird always seems to happen, whether it's Bond 
or whether it's you know turning down the Godfather offer to draft Kaminsky. Um, I know Collins is slotted there, but I think there could be some movement, especially right before them. And I just uh, as as, as um, locked in as this top ten feels, there's always some weird thing that happens. All right, let's le- well, let's. Um... Let's release the latest in our prospect previews today. It's Harry Giles, the 6'11 freshman big man out of Duke, someone who is all over the place when it comes to draft projections because of dreams about his upside and concerns about his health. I talked to Amrith Ramkamor, who covered Giles as a member of the Chronicle, Duke's student newspaper. So uh, I'll play that later. So Giles has torn an ACL in one knee, an MCL and ACL in another knee, but that's not what scares me the most about Giles, guys. It's this quote out of the draft combine in Chicago. Scott Howard Cooper of NBA.com has Giles saying, quote, the team that wants to take a chance on me, they won't regret it. That is very reminiscent of what one Kwame Brown told Doug Collins, then the head coach of the Washington Wizards in 2001, before he was drafted, he said, quote, I promise if you draft me, you won't regret it. Michael Jordan would go on to select Kwame Brown. That scares the hell out of me. Yeah, and that's also like, that's about the least amount of confidence you can say that phrase with. <laughs> Uh, what, what, what do you want to say to a team that's going to draft you? Uh, just, you know, that they, they probably won't, won't regret it. You will it. not regret <laughs> it. Not like I'm going to go out there and dominate nothing about what you're going to do, how you work hard. Um, that's, yeah, well, when I, mean, when I proposed first, to producer Katie, that's what I said. I said, listen, I, you won't regret <laughs> this. I promise. Look, there are worse picks out there. You could make a worse decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, uh, Harry Giles, uh, you know, should have stayed another year uh, with One Direction, but you know we'll see how his solo career pans out. Uh, that's the, I, I legit thought when you sent that over. I forgot that guy was a basketball player. I thought we were. That, that's that's my other cause for concern is that you know a, a basketball Harry is. Uh, Haven't been too many Harrys. David, 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 if Harry Giles yeah. somehow remains healthy, would he be would he be a fit in Charlotte? What about just his just take away the health issues? Would he fit within this roster? Well, I mean, if you look at the at the rankings before last year, he's like the top player in the class. I mean, I think you can make a talent like that fit anywhere, and the measurables are there. But I just didn't see enough from him at Duke. Um, you know, it's hard to have confidence in all these knee surgeries going well on a guy this young, even though we we talked a little bit about at the beginning of this show how knee surgeries maybe aren't what they used to be in, in like holding guys back. But at 20 or something like that, I I, I would might be in favor yeah. of the Hornets taking a swing on this guy. But at 11, they're, they're still right there on that edge of, you know, uh, not sure things, but impactful players in this draft that can make a difference for you now or in the near future. And I just think there's too many question marks to take him at 11 when you've got guys there uh, that you know will be able to contribute in some form or fashion. So um, I, I, I was behind him coming out just because um, if people are telling him he's going to be drafted in the first round and who knows what's up with his knees, then, then he should go ahead and do it. Like, I didn't think he should have played at all in Duke last year, and I don't know if it would have made any difference. Um, but it was it's just tough to watch, you know, him in those Duke games. 
and come out with any confidence that he's going to be the type of player that he was in high school. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're drafted. That's the thing for me. I don't know what the fit would be in Charlotte because you're drafting basically a basket of question marks in, in virtually not just the injuries, but virtually every aspect of his game. You're, you're betting on that his athleticism will make him a great rim protector, though he hasn't shown a, a, th- that on the court yet. He hasn't shown an elite ability to block the basketball. You're hoping that that athleticism paired with him getting stronger will make him someone who is an elite finisher underneath <clears> the rim, but he only, you know, he couldn't make that big of an impact on the Duke roster even after he got healthy. And I think the one thing that he has shown is an ability to get up and down the floor and be a threat in transition. But is that worth a, a top 11 pick? I, I don't know. It just seems like everything around him is based on, well, you know, he could be, uh, you know, one of the top 150 players to do this particular thing of all time if, and and you go yeah, down that, the line that's... of his of his skills and it's if, 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 if. Hey, LeVar Ball is back in the news. He was on Colin Cowherd's show on FS1 doing his best impression of Icarus, telling Cowherd's co-host Christine Leahy to stay in her lane. Have you sold any shoes yet? Yeah, I I sold a a good amount to me. Like I said, there's different amounts. How many? Stay in your lane. I don't even worry about her over there. Every time she scares me to kind death. Of she says she scares Lonzo. Lonzo's scared of me. She scares I me. That's I'm why I don't look Lonzo? that way. After a heated exchange on the show, Leahy and Ball are developing a uh, quite a history. Leahy has been tough on Big Baller Brand, as have a lot of folks. Um, let's start. Uh, let's start with Steve. Steve, what do you think of these comments? Uh, there were more more than just this comment, but but what do you think of these comments? That's just rude. Yeah, the, the, LeVar Ball is just, he reminds me, it's so funny that yeah, the relationship between, or the dynamic between him and Lonzo, because Lonzo, like, never says anything, ever. Uh, he's not in the NBA yet, and uh, doesn't seem to, like, care either way about almost anything, but it reminds me of that, like, the Key and Peele Obama sketch, where, you know, one of them is Obama, and the other <laughs> one's just his ego or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like an alternate version of Lonzo. Yeah, he's just super turned up. Um, I, I Actually, like it reminds the, me of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where there was oh. there's the there's the body, the big strong body with the little what was it, Krang? Was that Krang? Yeah, and it had the little oh, like yeah. cr- crazy little ball of <laughs> of madness inside of him that controlled him. I feel yeah, like those. Well, he was, yeah. uh, he was the anthropomorphized brain. Yeah. But yeah. Well, okay. Thank you. Thank you for clearing <laughs> that up. Well, you know what? I actually thought I had that. Uh, I had that written down as well. Doug. Get out of uh, here, nerds! So I, I thought about that guy because it is. It's like he has no purpose to be there, really. But uh, he's intrinsically tied to this guy that we have to talk about. I do love that he he goes on someone's show and then tells them to stay in their lane. They're like, "Yeah, well, this is my lane." So. Uh, you're on my show. It's just crazy. I don't know. It'd be go on somebody's show and then tell them to basically shut up. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I could take over this show. Who knows? Uh, I don't, I'm not staying in in your lane, buddy. Oh, come on. (laughs) Claire, what do you think? Um, okay. So I saw the entire exchange going back and forth and I mean, I understand 
for people who are trying to defend him, like, okay, well, she shouldn't have been testy with him in the first place. But here's the, she's not the first person to be testy with him. She's not the first person to push back on him. She's the first time that, you know, he's ever, you know, just flat out disrespected someone that much where he basically told her, you know, I mean, let's be real. He basically told her to get back to the kitchen. Um, and if he, but here's the other thing though. Um, Colin Coward just kind of let it slide. You know, like he didn't stick up for her at all. And, yeah. and he's been, I mean, Christine, you're right, Doug. I mean, like she's been tough on him in the past. She, I mean, he's had to have known that, she would have come out with, you know, guns blazing, basically, um, and that LeVar probably wasn't going to take it very well. Why didn't he, you know, make more of an effort to kind of tell him, like, hey, look, she, you know, she is in her lane. This is her lane. She's on my show. You're on my show. And I want her here just like we invited you here. Well, there's a simple so, there's a simple answer to that. And it, it has nothing to do with mm-hmm. Colin Cowherd being afraid of Lonzo Ball or not having Lonzo Ball back on his show or anything like that. It's because I think... Uh, they look ESPN and FS1. They all enabled this guy, and they wanted they want he Colin wanted to see how far he would go. You're not going to stop yeah, that no, guy. You know you don't want to become yeah, the story. I, I think that's they. He was waiting on him to say another terrible thing because that's another news yeah. item. Right. No. And here's the thing. yeah. No, I understand. I'm not saying he's afraid of him. I'm just. I'm. But I. I, I agree with you. Like I think that he. It, it just shows that. This guy is, you know, getting more of a platform than I think he deserves. Plus, I mean, let's talk about the fact that he doesn't want to market to women. Like, does he think women don't like shoes? Does he think women don't want to buy shoes? Um, like, a big like opportunity. Uh, I know. It seems like a missed opportunity on his part. So, I mean, but here's the thing. Like, look, before you start marketing women, at least get the designer of shoes straight first. Boom. Those are, yep. Dropping it. Uh, David. Well, yeah, but not not only did he go after, you know, women, uh, he also, you know, insulted uh, Whitlock on there as well, telling him to stick to snacks. And Cowherd <laughs> gave, a, gave a half-hearted comeback on that one, which, you know, however you feel about Whitlock, it's like, that's just not, uh, like, we can have a discourse and a discussion without stooping to, you know, insults and stuff like that, can't we? Um, but I agree with you guys, and Doug especially, it's like, at what point do they stop having this guy on the shows? I mean, that's clearly what they're looking for. What other uh, prospect, you know, has had their dad out there uh, parading around, you know, pre-draft and doing all these interviews? And um, I don't think – no one thinks it's going to deter the Lakers or whomever from drafting him. But, I mean, what, where, where, what's the end game, I guess, for this guy – and what are his two? What are the sons coming up going to have to deal with? Well, right? Exactly, I mean, David. You're, you're hitting on it. The, you're you're uh, hitting on it. You're hitting on it, David. Gonna, it's yeah. not going to be the 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 TV stations or the. It's not going to be ESPN or FS1 that stop Lonzo or that that stop Lavar. It's going to be Lonzo. Mm-hmm. That's who's going to pull Lavar off of these TV hits because this is only going to do wonders for FS1's uh, ratings for for a day or two. And if he says something ridiculous on ESPN, it's great for ESPN. Um, my, my thought on this is the same thought I have when when people in the past have tried to give Donald Trump credit for being a genius at dealing with the media, like like he was playing some grand chess game of distraction and deception when really he was just operating on machismo and bravado and ego, and the chips were falling in his favor. They happened to be falling in his favor until they did not. And it's the same with LeVar Ball. He insults Nike. He insults MJ. 
He toes the line, not because he means to toe the line, not because he knows where the line is not to cross it, but just because he was never given the opportunity to cross it. And Christine Leahy, who's a savvy, great reporter and on-air personality, gladly presented him an opportunity by challenging his ego. When he said, stay in your lane, it was in response to Leahy pressing him on how many shoes he sold. She was pressing on that ego, and he took the bait because that's the thing. He is not media trained. He is not a genius. ESPN knows that. FS1 knows that. And if you press on this guy, he's going to say something controversial. It's like like a game of operation. They know if they hit the side, his nose will light up. And that's exactly yeah, what he right, did. But- and 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 that that's the thing. It's it's going to take Lonzo to deal with Lavar. It you know, it, and or Lavar's just going to completely flame out. Both, well, and also like guys- Lonzo has been much more measured than Lavar, I think, because maybe he did have some PR training while he was at UCLA. Maybe he didn't. I really don't know. I'm assuming he probably did. Um, but at the same time, he also knows that he's I mean, Lavar's not the one who's have to go go into the league and face all these players that you know, Lonzo, or sorry, uh, LeVar's been talking about. So, I mean, like, for instance, when he talked about LeBron James' kids, like, that really set off LeBron. And I think LeVar has seen that, and he's just like, all right, well, you know what? I'm going to kind of let my dad do the talking or whatever because he knows he might not be able to stop him. But I'm going to be more measured in my responses because ultimately it's going to be him out on that court, not LeVar. Yeah, both those guys have the, you know, you were talking about Trump and, and LeVar, and, and the, that last point's a great one, too. Where it's like, yeah, he's, he can just say whatever he wants. He's like, yeah, I would dominate MJ. Uh, you know, I could beat LeBron. Lonzo's better than Steph. Like, that one's going to come to to head. You know, those guys actually have to play each other. And Lonzo's going to be like, hey, Dad, uh, maybe just don't, don't go ahead and start digging these ditches for me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, people, their appeal lies in, like, People keep putting him on these shows because they're like, "Oh man, he he just he he says all this crazy stuff," and that's what Trump's you know appeals to some people. It just boils down to that. They're like, he just says you know what's on his mind. It's like, yeah, you're not supposed to do that. That's not a good thing. Uh, you're supposed to have a filter. <laughs> that's not going to be celebrated. Just being an insane person, yeah, yeah. Um, so no. I don't know. I would love. Uh, it would be great though if he, he somehow had to had to back all that up. Uh, and did have to get out, get out there and play some twenty one. At some point, somebody's got to put him on a court with somebody like that'll be. They can. He'll probably sell it or, with you for a billion dollars. Or, or big baller brand has to IPO, and then he has to publicly disclose how many ZO twos. That's <laughs> what we need. We need a big baller brand IPO, David. Three billion. He wants three billion dollars, David, for that shoe deal. Yeah, it's up to three billion. So I, hey, I will make it four. Just challenge me. I'll I'll make it four. Whoa. <laughs> I will I pull that this. Too. That's the that's the equivalent. Of, I will pull this car over right now. You want to make it four? <laughs> make it four billion? Say something else, Nike. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Pull the car over while it's going a thousand miles in the wrong direction <laughs> already. He, I love that too. He's like he 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 goes out there. Nike, Adidas. They're like, yeah, sure. We're interested in lots of ball. He's like, well, how about a partnership? They're like, pass. And he's like, well, now it's three billion. It's like that's not that's not how you negotiate at all. <laughs> that's not how this works. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like Nike has the money to buy you out probably a thousand times over and the price isn't 3 billion. I can tell you that. 
Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure their thinking is like, obviously, they want to, you know, protect themselves. But the thing is, like, how much pressure is that going to put on somebody before they've played a single game? Like, Jason Williams from Duke, you know, it could be a situation like that. A guy never even sees the floor. And now it's just too much pressure to be like, yeah, this is a signature athlete we have. It's a disservice to the player, really. But when it's your own son, I guess you can do whatever you want to. Yeah, well, I mean, plus, like, all these other shoes that you see out here on the market, they're from established players, you know. They're from people who have, you know, been in the league for a few years now and have established their name and their reputation and whatnot. Alonzo hasn't done that yet, and that just adds to the pressure. It just adds to the hype of what he's going to be expected to do in the league, and especially because of the price point. Like, Jordan can sell $500 shoes because he's Michael Jordan, and the shoes look good. Like, they're designed well. Yeah. Um but, I mean, big baller brand. It's hilarious that that, that last point like is the one the that no one ever talks out. about. They're just terrible shoes. That's the whole <laughs> That's the thing. They really are. It's, no one talks even, about like, that. It's like, that's the first thing. You've got to make the shoe look cool. It's, it's a Kobe shoe anyways. It's, it's incredible to me that they even got away with that. I can't believe. Uh, yeah. it's, I have a, a pair of Kobe mentalities. They look exactly the same. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's it's crazy because this is not a good-looking shoe. I mean, like, and forget $500. I don't think, like, $100 would even be fair for them. But you know what? Maybe maybe he sold yeah. a million pairs in the first week. I don't know. But, I mean, if those, there's a million. If he had, I don't think he would have told Kristen, Christine Leahy to stay in her lane. I think he would have yeah, just exactly. said, I think he would have said, alternatively, I've sold a million shoes. Yeah, no, exactly. yeah, that shoe yeah, could have right. literally right. had any price tag on it, and and we would have just believed yeah. it, right? If I if you saw a picture of that shoe and it was like seventeen bucks, you're like, okay, uh, or five hundred, <laughs> you're like, I guess, I don't know. Well, we've run out of time, guys. <laughs> Want to mention one more time, um, our guest Steve Bob Forrest here, writer for AtTheHive.com, has a great article coming out about this eleventh pick and about how to stay positive through this draft season. Look for that. Uh, what tomorrow, Friday on At The Hive. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get it up there today, uh, but yeah, it'll be up there by tomorrow. The latest. Also, quick plug: I did a project where I dressed like Russell Westbrook every day of the playoffs that he played, and then uh, it culminated yes. in, a, in a Bone Thugs and, and Harmony uh, video. So, uh, you guys check that out. Another and, one of those. Uh, I've watched it. Yeah. It is a it is a an American cinema classic, uh, right in line wow, with um, The Godfather. Uh, and and all of the the cinema classics. <laughs> well, thank you. That's uh, yeah, I feel like that's appropriate. All right, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. While you're there, give us a five star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. We're back again. Uh, next week for David and Steve Bob and Calamity, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked on Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Napa know-how. 
takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99 cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17